We're continuing our series this week, our Christmas series, you could say, on the three gifts that the wise men presented to Christ at his birth, and they came giving those, those kingly gifts of uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We looked at gold uh, last week, how Christ came as the divine king, the son of God, and though he received that that he received that gift, it also represents the gift of himself that he gave to all mankind. And you know, and in that sense, we can receive that. And the fullest sense is we receive that and allow that divine work that gold represents to be done in our lives, so that we can then offer ourselves, well, really Christ in us, right? The work of Christ in us, we can offer that as a gift to bless others, to reveal Christ. And so we looked at gold, and so next we come to frankincense. Frankincense. Have any of you ever gone into, you know what, maybe an essential oil store or a store that has frankincense and smelled it? it it's kind of a, a unique smell. It, it's a very fragrant smell. Um, but obviously it's it's quite different than gold, right? I mean, you would think if they wanted to to give gifts to a king, maybe she give gold and maybe rubies or sapphires or such, but but yet they he gave frankincense. And actually, frankincense and myrrh, there's this there's a kind of a strong similarity between these next two gifts uh, because they are actually both resins that come from the sap of of different trees. They both come from different trees, but um, the, they cut the, the tree and sap comes out and it dries and they harvest that sap. Um, and then it's used in perfumes. It's burned into incense. It was actually used as medicine in ancient times as well. In the modern age, you can kind of, like I said, you can go into different stores and you can get actually that dried resin um, in the form of frankincense, and it's it's not it's not expensive. You can go in and get. Uh, someone said you can get like a hundred grams of it for like ten or twenty dollars or something like that. Of course, a one one gram of gold is, or one ounce of gold is, you know, in the thousands. Uh, but I was actually looking this up, and um, back at one point, these two resins were so valuable. In fact, at the time of Christ. They were so valuable that they were worth their weight in gold. And so that really was um, a kingly gift. And, and it, it was very rare as well. They could only be um, found, the trees that they were harvested from could only be found in, like, in the Middle East from Arabia to China. And they have a strong history there. But it had to be imported to the West. And at one point, Rome valued it so much that they would go into debt to import tons of it because they valued it in their different uses. Um, as I mentioned, it was worth its weight in gold during those times. So quite a valuable gift. But we know that we're not just looking at its natural value, but its value in relation to God and the Scripture. And, and it's actually all throughout Scripture. You know, it's in the New Testament and this gifts, but it's it's throughout the Old Testament as well, um, especially in regards to the tabernacle and the temple for how it was used in the service of the Lord. Um, it was actually an essential part. 
they had to have it, right? And so you can understand that it was actually kind of an expensive process offering these sacrifices because they had to mix frankincense with it and, and different things. And it was offered with the meat and the meal offering um, that were put on the altar. It was put on top of the bread for the table of showbread. It was sprinkled on top of that. It was also an ingredient in the, of the incense offered on the, the altar of incense in the holy place. And so it was quite involved in the whole process, you know, from, from the outer court to the holy, holy place and, and even into the Holy of Holies as the high priest would bring his, his ins, bring the incense in, you know, bef- as he appeared before the Lord. And so, you know, it was involved in every aspect of the tabernacle as, as we come to know God in this thought of frankincense. But then we ask ourselves, well, what, is, what does it represent, right? So we see it's important, it's valuable, but what does it represent? And to understand that, we compare two portions of scripture with each other. And you probably, some of you who have been under Pastor Bailey know where I'm going because he would often refer to Song of Solomon chapter four and verse 13, where he talks about the nine plants uh, in the garden of the Shulamite in Song of Solomon, right? The, the plants she's growing in her garden. And then, you know, and it actually lists them there as pomegranates, campfire, spikenard, saffron, calamus, cinnamon, with trees of frankincense. I thought that was interesting, right? Because it comes from the saps of those trees of frankincense. And But then when you, what's commonly understood is when you line them up to what Galatians says in Galatians 5.22 to the fruits of the Spirit, and which are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, uh, meekness, temperance. And so what we understand is that frankincense lines up with faith or faithfulness as sometimes it's translated. And so we can see that what this valuable commodity is that the scriptures talk about this wonderful gift given to Christ at his birth represents is faith. Faith in operating in our lives in the kingdom of God. And so, what is faith? And I realize this is kind of a foundational concept, but I think it's good to have that so clear in our hearts because it must be there, not just for coming into the door, right? And when all of all of the things I mentioned, they were all after the door in the tabernacle and in the temple, weren't they? Right? And so sometimes we think of faith, well, we're saved by faith. We are absolutely saved by faith. But then faith must operate in every aspect of our life and our journey with him. And so we, we have to keep coming back to it again and again. I think one of the best biblical definitions for faith is Hebrews 11 and verse 1. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen the evidence of things we can't see, we can't comprehend, we can't touch or feel. We don't have evidence. The only thing we have is that faith in our hearts. It's something we can possess. We can have it as surely as you're holding something in your hand because it's within your heart. The Bible says as a substance of things hoped for. But simply put, it is a belief in God and in his son, Jesus Christ. As I mentioned, at salvation, we're saved by faith. It's that free gift. We must receive it 
as God freely gives it, so we have to receive it. Another aspect of faith is in verse 6, Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. And that's, that's kind of a weighty statement, isn't it? There's no way we can ever please our creator unless we have faith, unless we have that faith. It's a free gift, right? We, don't, we can't work for it. We can't produce it. It only comes from God, but, it, but we must receive it in order to please God. If we're not pleasing God, we have a whole host of problems, right? And so this is another part of faith if we don't possess it. If we don't have faith as an integral part of our life, we have to have that if we want to have a life that, that pleases God. And that involves believing. Oh, I didn't finish it, did I? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And so that involves believing in God, all right, that's the first step. We believe in God that He's true and who He is too. He's true, He's just, He's good, but also that He rewards us as we diligently seek Him. Sometimes we can believe, okay, Lord, I believe you're real, I believe in heaven, but sometimes we don't believe Him enough to seek Him and to not give up. And that's where the fullness of this promise and the blessing of faith comes is that we believe him. We believe he's a rewarder if we'll diligently seek him and so we don't give up. That's the true fruit of faith in our lives. Faith, as I mentioned, is also something that only comes from God. As much as we would like to be able to work it up and encourage ourselves and produce faith in our hearts, we can't do it. Now we can you know, stay steadfast and focused and we can try and encourage our heart and not give up and such. But there's nothing we can do to produce faith ourselves. It is only from God. In fact, it is a gift from God. Ephesians 2 and verse 8, by grace you are saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is a gift from God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. There's no work we can do on earth to produce faith. There is a work we can do to hold on to it and not let it go and endure until the promise is fulfilled, but we can't produce it. The commentator and the, the author and preacher, Martin, uh, Martin, I think it's Martin Lloyd-Jones. Do I have that right, Martin? I just have an M in my notes, but Lloyd-Jones, let's call him that. He said this. He said, faith is not the law of mathematical probability. Faith is not natural. Faith is spiritual. It is the gift of God. You You cannot command faith at will. Faith is always something that is given. It is wrought by God. We can't control faith. That's like trying to control God in one sense. All we can do is receive it and walk in it, walk by it. And so there's that spiritual aspect, that that mystery of the kingdom of God is that God gives faith. We can't produce it. We can only receive it and use it in our lives. 
And so we must look to heaven with a believing heart open to receiving his faith. And we're kind of looking at the fundamentals of faith, you know, just to lay a foundation to understand this gift and how it operated in Christ, how it is to operate in our lives. Another aspect of faith is how it comes, right? How do we get faith? Do we just say, Lord, just put faith right in my heart. Well, how does that take place? What's the mechanics of it? And sometimes that happens. He just puts the faith into our hearts, but yet we, we, we preface that by how it comes, right? And we can answer that in Romans 10, 17. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so, you know, sometimes we'll say, God gave me a word of faith because that's how it comes. You know, you can take that out and say, you know, he gave me faith for something, but really what that means is, well, he spoke to my heart. And, because, and when he spoke to me, it caused faith to arise. And I now have a substance because of what he said to me. I have faith. If we don't have that word from him, if we don't have that substance, we don't have faith. That's, and that's as simple as it is. And so, you know, sometimes we can just try to have positive thinking and such. And, and it's good to be positive, but yet we can't walk by positive thinking. We can walk only by faith. And faith comes by what he speaks to our hearts. It's where it gets pretty practical in the Christian walk. It's a substance and it's transmitted through his word as he speaks to us, as he quickens it. Now, it doesn't have to necessarily come as you're reading this exactly, but it can come as you're praying, as you're sitting in church, hearing a message. Maybe God will give you fresh faith. As you're talking with someone and you're, you know, sometimes people can not even mean it, but they can just be talking about their experience with the Lord and that does something and it gives you fresh faith. See, the key is, having an open heart, ready to receive it. I think God is always willing to give us faith, to increase our faith. He desires that. He wants it more than we want it. But we have to have a heart that's open, that's willing. And that faith becomes a substance that we possess. And that faith is powerful. It can produce miracles as God works in us. I've shared this story before and you've probably heard it. It's actually, it's in Pastor Bailey's, several of his books. But whenever I think of, of faith producing a miracle, this is the story that pops in my mind. You know, of, of our fellowship uh, was formed in the 80s and, and they were looking for a place to have their headquarters and they looked at a place in Waverly, New York and you know, put it in an offer. The offer, offer was accepted. They didn't have the money, but God spoke to them. He put faith in Pastor Bailey's heart. Not only that, but soon after they bought it, the Lord spoke to him to build. <laughs> they hadn't even paid it off. And they didn't have the money to pay it off. And God said, build. And, and so here's what Pastor Bailey, he reacted to God speaking to him. And he said, Lord, we don't have the money. I'm supposed to be a good steward and I'm not supposed to get into debt and all that stuff, right? The principles. But when God speaks, you follow his word. And, and God responded to Pastor Bailey and said, but I 
have given you faith. I've given you faith. And that faith was a substance in his heart. God said, you do not need money. I have put faith within your heart, and that faith will produce the finances needed to build the sanctuary that he had told them to add on to the building there. And so God spoke. He gave faith. Pastor Bailey had a, had a substance in his heart. Now, he, he was a little nervous on it in his self, but yet he trusted in the faith in that substance that God placed there. And they committed to building the sanctuary, and God provided every penny of that money, both to pay off the property and to build the building. He did it by faith. You know, and, and so this can apply to every aspect of our life, not just the big, momentous decisions, but because we're called to walk by faith day by day. You know, and so we can receive faith from heaven as God directs us and speaks to us and we submit our lives to him. And sometimes that's really the key too. You know, we're not even submitting our lives. You know, it, it says in the scriptures, you have not because you ask not. That can apply to faith where we say, Lord, okay, I don't know what to do. So I'm submitting it to you. Would you speak to me? And it opens the door and gives opportunity for God to impart faith to be a substance and to produce the answer that we need. It produces miraculous results. In fact, we see that in Scripture. You know, often when Christ recognized faith in someone's heart, the next thing you read was a miracle taking place. Right? When the, and the Lord often did that. He recognized when someone had faith or he recognized when someone didn't have faith with his disciples. Oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> Where's your faith? You're not believing. Well, then, then he was still good. He'd perform a miracle, but he kind of pointed out their lack of faith. But often what he pointed out was, was based on how their heart was reacting to him in that situation. You know, and we kind of come back to what we read in Hebrews, Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him, because he that comes to God must believe. Must believe, and believing in God. If you know, if we believe in God, then we believe in His Word. That's really what it comes down to. If we're not believing in His Word, then well, He is the Word that came down from heaven, right? So if we don't believe His Word, then we don't believe Him. That's a scary thought. Lord, help me to believe all the words you speak to me because if I don't, I'm in trouble. And so those who come to God must believe. We have to have that open heart of faith that is through belief. Lord, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe you can produce a miracle in my life. You can bring the answer to my situation. And that's the kind of heart that God can use and he can work in and work through. Christ rejoiced when he experienced and beheld that kind of heart, didn't he? You just read the New Testament. I think he loved when he found someone with faith and he always pointed that out. You know, think about the story of Matthew 10 and this is probably one of the most remarkable. It, it was a story of a, a Roman centurion, a Gentile. 
And he had a, this centurion had a servant who was sick. And so he sent messengers to Jesus and they told him about it. And Jesus said, well, okay, I'll come. And then the messengers said, but he already expressly told us you don't need to come. And that amazed Jesus. Just speak a word because you are a man that has authority over sickness. Just to speak a word and he'll be healed. That's a really, I mean, it's kind of a remarkable thing when you really think about it. He was living in the Old Testament while he's on the edge, right, of between the Old Testament and New Testament. And here this Gentile Roman soldier had faith to believe that Jesus just had to speak a word and his servant would be healed. That's quite a heart of faith. And what did Jesus say? Well, his reaction was, you know, was telling. In verse 10, Matthew 8, 10, it says, Jesus heard it and he marveled. And he said to those who followed him, truly I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, not in Israel. That's both good and both an indictment against Israel, right? <laughs> this Roman centurion has more faith than all of you people. He marveled at the, that amount of faith, and he, I think he just rejoiced in seeing faith in his people. And so he had, and of course, Jesus had been traveling around Israel, seeing people's reactions to his message. Who received it wholeheartedly? A soldier. They're not really known for soft hearts, but yet this man had a soft, tender heart that could receive faith. And that tells us something, too. It doesn't matter what our background is or our experiences or what family we're born into or, or such. You know, I've had people say, woe is me, I wasn't born into a Christian family. And, but, you know, neither was this guy. But when he beheld Christ, his heart was open and he received faith for a miracle to take place. So what matters is how we receive his word. What matters is we have a heart that just embraces what he says. Jesus marveled at that kind of heart. And perhaps he might even say to us, wow, I've not found so great a faith even in Clearwater. That would be nice. Or even in Tampa Bay or wherever you live, if you're watching online. But it's all based on a heart that will believe, that will receive his faith. Yet in that, you know, I always remember an encouraging, well, encouraging to me, a statement of a, a certain father. He had a son who was demon-possessed. And he came to the disciples and said, is there anything you can do to heal my son and to deliver him? And the disciples tried and they failed. They couldn't do it. And Jesus came and he asked, the father asked Jesus, can you help my son? And Jesus said this in Mark, Mark 9, 23. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible. And that really applies to all of mankind. If you can believe, now, it's not our belief that performs the miracle. It's our belief that allows his faith to come in and perform the miracle. It opens the door for faith to come and produce it. If you can believe all possible, things are possible 
to him that believes, because all things are possible by faith. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. How many of us have been there? So often we find ourselves in the place of that father where we're facing that question, if you can believe. And we, we know there's an area of struggle of believing God for that victory because it's taken so long and we've prayed so much or whatever the situation, we're struggling in our heart. We can have that same cry, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. When I get to heaven, I think I'm going to thank that father for his honest confession of faith. Hopefully he's there. If he is, I'll thank him. But that can be our cry because God is more than willing to help us in that situation as he helped that man who just opened up his heart and acknowledged, Lord, I'm weak, but Lord, I believe for you to, to do a miracle. And of course, what happened? Is Jesus healed that man's son. So faith is a gift from God freely given to us if we will believe, if we'll receive and open our hearts. It comes through his word as he speaks to us and we walk in that. And that is to be our life, one of walking by his faith. But I just want to come back for a moment to that, that main thought of the gift of frankincense. You know, that gift was given to Christ as a recognition of what kind of life he would lead. Because Jesus walked by faith, didn't he? He walked by the words that he continually received from his father. In the Song of Solomon, it talks and describes the life of Christ, you know, as it's describing the bridegroom. And it says this in Song of Solomon 3, 6. It says, Who is this that comes out of the wilderness like pillars of smoke, perfumed with myrrh and frankincense? It was like a perfume that emanated from him. Faith so permeated the life of Christ, it was like a fragrance, a perfume. And I think that's a good description of someone who lives a life of faith. You can be around them and just say, man, I just see their life and you sense something. Maybe you can't even put your finger on it, but it's like there's an aroma there that's pleasant because their life is different. Something is, they're set apart for some reason, but you know, if they live a life of faith, there's an an aroma that comes from that, a perfume, a heavenly perfume, because they live by the faith of the Son of God. The one thing that, that we're to understand is that we are all called to receive this gift of frankincense into our lives as well. As Christ received this gift, so he wants to give it to us, to experience it and live it. And you know, just one last thought in this of, of the experiencing you know, that we can understand is it was most often used as that sweet incense uh, that would a fragrance would be released in worship or in to make a pleasant atmosphere in the home. But you know how it was released? It can only be released by putting it in the fire. That's as it was consumed, that fragrance came forth. We actually read this, I think last, last week we read 1 Peter 1.7. He said, the trial of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. Gold endures for a long time, but at some point, all of that gold is going to perish. 
but the trial of your faith is much more precious, though it be tried with fire. There's, that's it. That's the moment of combustion. That's the moment of release for that aroma as our faith is tried. That we might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Now, we looked at that thought of gold of the divine work last week, and that comes out in our trials, but, but also it's as our faith is tried, or maybe it's his faith is tried in us, that that beautiful aroma is released. And, you know, that's the real cost of faith. Faith has to be tried for this beauty to be seen as we allow it to pass through the fire Pastor Bailey said this in one of his books. He said, for everything in life, there's a price to pay. The word of God says, buy the truth and sell it not. And he asks, are you willing to pay the price? Are you really wholehearted for the Lord and totally consecrated and sold out to him? That is the only way to great faith is when our faith is, we allow our faith to be tried. And there's that truth about faith is, you know, we can do normal things for the Christ, in the Christian life. We can pray and read our Bible and go to church. But if we're never tested or challenged or singed, so to speak, then that fragrance is trapped and it's never released. The only way for it to be released, you know, the, or you could say the potential for faith is never released and it remains unused. Our natural instinct is always to withdraw ourselves from the unpleasantness of life, isn't it? But those who have met God, they usually meet him in the fire. And the, one of the premier examples would be Daniel's three friends, right? They would not bow to the image in the book of Daniel. And the king was angry because he wanted them to acknowledge and give glory to him. And they wouldn't do that. And so he, in his anger, he commanded them that they be put into the fire. And there they are standing in the fire and the king is amazed because they don't fall down. They're not consumed. They're standing and they're walking and now they're free and there's someone else there. Someone who the king says, and he looks like the son of God with them in the fire. It released something beautiful. And it caused God to appear in, in their situation. You know, the wrath of the king was instantly gotten. It was replaced by humility as he saw them, as Daniel's friends submitted to that. The fire didn't kill them. Instead, it set them free. And, you know, that's the trial of our faith. That's the power of faith that's been set through, that's been through the fire, so to speak. And what a wonderful gift we can give the Lord back to the Lord of that sweet aroma when we allow that faith to be tried in us and we submit to it and we walk in that. And so today, even though frankincense is commonly available, I, I think that today in, in that thought of God's gift of faith, it's still a rare commodity. It's still a rarity that God seeks after. You know, faith as frankincense representing a life of faith, a beautiful aroma to God is something he seeks. You know, the, the eyes of the Lord are running throughout all the earth 
who he can show himself strong towards by giving them faith, but then having that faith arise back to him as a sweet aroma. That's what he's looking for. We saw that in Christ, how he was perfumed by frankincense, and that's the the same pathway he's calling us to walk in through the gift of faith. And if we will believe it, and sometimes even cry for help, Lord, help my lack of belief. But if we'll open our heart, God will release his beautiful gift of faith in our lives. We know that we'll have to go through the fire at some point. Well, maybe even several points in our life, many points. Thankfully, it's just a season, right? It's not one life of a fire, but there's seasons of sweetness as well as bitterness. But if we'll submit to that fire as Daniel's three friends, we'll meet with God in the fire and the work of beauty will be done. And others will see it like the king. There's someone else in there. And he's like the son of God. We want people to say that about our heart. Oh, there's, some, there's something different about you. It's almost like there's someone else in there. Well, there is. Jesus is in there. And I hope you can see him more and more. That's what we want people to say of us as we live a life full of his faith. Father, we just thank you for your wonderful gift of your son and how he lived this life of faith. And Lord, it just spurs us to cry out, oh God, may we live by the faith of the Son of God. May we live by every word that proceeds from your mouth and from heaven. Oh Lord, even teach us. Lord, give us ears to hear what your Spirit is saying. Lord, give us a heart that would receive it and walk in those words. And Lord, that you would even give us a heart that would endure the flames and the difficulty as that faith is being tried. But Lord, we recognize it's a precious thing in your sight. Oh God, give us that heart that will believe and walk until your beauty is seen in us and that fragrance of your faith is released to be pleasing unto you, that we, our lives will be pleasing unto you. And we thank you. Thank you for that gift. May we give that gift back to you, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.